going again. Hello there, and welcome to Pivotal Film. I'm Tom Nolan. And I'm Mario Ponzio. And I'm Andy Barry. <gasps> he did it! <laughs> it's three people in a row. And I still changed the cadence of how, of how I said Mario Ponzio. It was good. It's, yeah. People are getting, I think, just tired of your name. Yeah, I know. I wouldn't be tired of my name. <laughs> Even though it rhymes, so that's kind of neat. Yeah, we're here. We're not, Tom still hasn't seen Bo is Afraid. Because next A24 Tuesday, is A24. <laughs> next Tuesday, A24 is gonna A24. Oh, At least like the time between, you know, it coming out and it getting released on VOD is much shorter than it is for the first film we're gonna do today, which was you know just got randomly released. Well, that was an April seventh. I mean, the first film we're doing is April seventh, and Bo's Afraid I think was the very next April seventh last year. No, it's twenty twenty three. Twenty twenty two. No, it was released on April seventh, twenty twenty three. Yeah, but it debuted at Cannes and then just oh, kind of oh, like sat yeah. there. May twenty second. 7, 2022. Yeah. Yeah, con. I mean, but yeah, but so many movies are get, like they're going to do the same thing possibly with um, Zone of the Interest. Glazers. Yeah. Uh, I, want, I want to say Decision to Leave. The thing, that's not it. The, um, the, 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 what the hell's the name of that movie? Zone of Interest. Zone of Interest. The uh. difference between Zone of Interest and showing up is that Zone of Interest will get a steady drumbeat of information leaked out about it and reviews and things. And so when it finally does come out, it means something. Showing up, debuted at Cannes, then they just hit it in a dark closet somewhere, and then in April they were like, "Oh, Kelly Reichert made a new movie." Well, they kind of did that with First Cow too, didn't they? Like First, well, Cow, first Cow had Cow debuted had... at Toronto, and then they waited until. April but they also didn't know the pandemic was gonna like this fair. eat it. And they, in their mind, the pandemic is still happening. Well, for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, we have a bunch of stuff to do today. Some catch, some some. Newly released, it's a really hot I mean, yeah. New released stuff, stuff that's been out for a little bit, some stuff that you know. Um, and it's you know, still in the the zeitgeist. Sure. Of, of the film culture. Which one showing up? Yeah, I, I agree, one hundred percent. Speaking of, if uh, in the film universe, I think you meant to say, because Andy brought a beer, ransacked the universe. Tell us about this beer, Andy. Um, it had universe on it, so I bought it. That was good. I was looking for something similar, and I could not find anything. I mean, it is. It is a. I can't even read this. It's creative, they, it's so, creative arts. It's a collective arts. Your collective arts. It's a Citra Mosaic Galaxy, Galaxy Hopped IPA, six point eight percent. So it smells really. So good. from a design standpoint, collective arts, maybe don't put white text on a light orange background because that shit is unreal. One part craft beer, one part canvas. Collective arts is a fusion. Oh, it's not even talking about their beer. This yeah, beer. Because their labels are fucking it does, awesome. It does smell really good. The labels itself is cool, but the, the text is impossible to read. <laughs> what if we just did this for the rest of the <laughs> Get all the beers in the house and that's analyze, graphic design. Analyze the text. That would that would be like a white guy podcast that probably hasn't been done yet. You don't even drink or review the beers. You just judge the graphic design of different beer cans. That's really cute that you think there's not a podcast about white guys <laughs> analyzing the design of beer <laughs> yeah, cans. Definitely <laughs> there's definitely that podcast. <laughs> All right. Cheers. Drink bow, it. Bow, bow. It's got a um, fruity. Yeah, definitely grapefruit. Uh, like that's not stone fruit. Like a light, the citra. Yeah, the citra hops are definitely coming through. It's uh, tasty, Galaxy's though. always kind of like a, a underlying kind of support hop. I enjoy it's it. It's fine. I enjoy it. 
It's it's mellow. It's not bad. I like it. Mellow. Speaking of mellow, yeah, yeah, it's a perfect segue, Andy, into our first film, um, which we kind of tease. Cat maiming a pigeon. That's super mellow. <laughs> I had this conversation with my wife last night about this movie, and I was like, an act of violence in a Kelly Reichert movie is literally a cat maiming a pigeon, like <laughs> in that, darkness, in in just like a bathroom, and there's feathers, and and they treat it like there's like. Blood all over the bathroom, and it's just you're so you're bad. You're it's so bad. Clearly, I, just feathers. Yeah. I feel like I'm making fun of the movie that like I don't want to make fun of, but it, that definitely it definitely came up at our house last night. Like a Kelly Riker movie, it's its own specific thing, um, and that specific movie is, as we've said a couple of times here, showing up. Hi. She's amazing. Love the green stockings. You're Lizzie, right? I can't figure out what class this is, but I really want to join it. I don't know what I'm supposed to do without hot water. My show's open on Friday. I'll be free to deal with it after that. I have a show too, you know. You're not the only one with a deadline. I know, but I have two shows, which is insane. Hey, give me a push. You should make more like this. I'm enjoying my retirement. I get up, I do a little of this, a little of that, and before you know it, it's time to watch TV again. That sounds terrible. What's going on? I'm making a piece. It's a very major piece. Very major. He's a genius. He was always incredibly creative. A lot of people are creative. I saw some of Joel's work at a studio yesterday. Wow, it just gives me such a lift. Pretty amazing. When's my hot water coming back on? <sighs> I'm on it. Easy on the cheese. It's for everyone. I don't want to run out. Cheese is out on the table. You shouldn't put cheese out on the table if you don't want people to eat it. Sick of not having hot water, Joe. It's such a total drag. It's such a shitty thing to do to a person. I'm sick of it. Have a great night. You're not supposed to have any cheese. Uh, Michelle Williams, who is, you know, something of Kelly Records' muse. Or if she's not her muse then she's like the person who's yeah she's the person who's like always up for whatever kelly reichert's got going on i think this is the fourth film that they've made together after wendy lucy and meeks cut off and certain women um uh john mcgaro that's clearly her is that's that's becoming like increasingly true and he is like weirdly excellent in like a very small role in this in this movie um michelle williams is living she is a sculptor who's living in a house owned by her friend Joe, who is also an artist. Um, Lizzie's got a show coming up on Monday. Joe, she got two shows. She got two shows there. Uh, Lizzie works at uh, an art school in the Pacific Northwest that her mom is, I guess, like the dean of. She's like the secretary. Um, she's got a cat. As as you do, as all these artist types do, she makes these. What was that cat's name? It annoyed the cat's name annoyed me. I can't remember it, but it was just an annoying, dumb name. For Drew. A cat. Yeah, some just 
dumb name. Goofus, something weird. But yeah. As I get older, I increasingly like cats less. I love cats. I love cats. I was snuggling a cat before I came here. I don't trust him. Watching my son play Tears of the Kingdom. Ricky. Ricky, Ricky yeah, yeah. Ricky. It's a dumb name. Get out of here, Ricky. Um, I mean, there's not like, I guess there's a bunch of like plot points that you could talk about if we were going to do like a beat by beat like thing uh, out of this movie. But she's, uh, her mom, um, you know, as like I said, is the dean of the, um, the school. Um, her parents are divorced. Her dad is played by Judd Hirsch, who is a ceramicist um, of some um, esteem, I guess, I think. Um, some renown, I would say, yeah. He has, his house has been taken over very humorously <laughs> by Amanda Plummer and um, what's that other, the actor's name? He's like one of those guys that's in stuff. Is um, that Matt Malloy? The head Lee, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. He was uh, in The Company of Men. But he's just, just in all sorts of things, like just yeah. as like a he's character actor and he's stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, thought those guys, I thought they were really funny. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get that point, but it still made me laugh every time. They're just there. Um, Andre, th- I mean, there's a bunch of people in this movie. We can name all of them. I think people need to stop casting Andre 3000 and stuff. Andre Benjamin, I, I think he's just like... I don't think he understands acting very well. I thought he was excellent in this. Oh, really? He did? <laughs> yeah, I did. There's, <laughs> there's like an aloofness that he seems to have for everything, and I'm just like, oh, just I, Andre I, 2000 it, being Andre I, 2000. I agree, but it really worked, it worked in, this okay. movie, in this movie just because of the, they're, they're in Portland. That's what people are like. There's, I mean, there's too much of like a chillness to his performances that I'm not like in love with. I think to Andy's point, I think it worked here when he was just oh, like, it's sure. cool. It's cool, man. But he also like was kind of like that in, what is it? Four brothers, and he was kind of like that in what's that other like ensemble he was in, where he was just like a member of um, like a group of people recently. Oh my god, he was in. We just saw him in something. White noise. Well, high life. Oh yeah, Yeah. white noise. Yeah, yeah, white noise. And he's just like, oh, he's not doesn't really belong here either. Um, Well, also high life, he didn't belong. He wasn't in High Life for very much, was he? No, he's not in it for very much. Yeah, he, he oh, he's, yeah, 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 he does. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, Joe was played by um, Hong Chow, who just, you know, got an Oscar nomination for uh, The Whale. Um, Ricky mauls a pigeon, and Joe and Lizzie share custody of this <laughs> pigeon. Um, Lizzie has a brother, played by John McGarrow, named Sean, who clearly has some mental health issues. Um who, you know, works on a very important piece in his backyard at one point, just digging holes in the mouth. The mouths. The mouths, um, which is super fascinating. Um, I mean, there's not, again, there's like a ton to say plot-wise here that I think we'll touch on as we kind of go into this movie. Um, I'm, I feel like our audience is probably less interested in what I have to say about this movie because I'm going to guess that if we took calls right now and polled them, they would assume what my reaction would be to it. So I... Curious, I'm curious, my friends. What did you guys think of this movie? You want me? I'll just go. I'll start since I kind of know where you're going. Um, so I like I was I told you early on, I I find Kelly Reichert films as they start to be fairly tedious, but then they do slightly grow on you. I think I, I do think she's a weak writer of dialogue, but. She is a talented writer uh, and director of creating scenes that have a naturalistic flow and shape and to like actually make you kind of connect with the situation. The way in which people are emotionally reacting to the situation works. Mm-hmm. 
the things that they're sometimes saying feel artificial. They have that Altman-esque quality to it where there's like a, a weird affect to the language being said. And I could find that at first incredibly hard to connect to. But the emotional beats I think this film hits as it progresses and as it goes on, like make perfect sense. The kind of growth of Lizzie as this kind of like very distant kind of cold person into somebody who like you kind of then get the pieces. Who's slightly less distant and, you know, cold. But like you could see like. Yeah, but you could see the reasons and the manifestations of why she's like that. She's petting this bird's head by the end of the movie. Yeah, exactly. And, and like that is kind of like the end point to like see like, oh, like the things she was surrounded with and the conflicts and the struggles and whatnot um, from her parents uh, and, and from her brother. You can see the reason why there's that frustration like from her. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I still kind of had the same discussion with First Cal. I enjoyed First Cal. Um, I am, we've already talked, like I'm not the hugest fan of of like old joy, you know, like I'm not big on Meek's cut off at all. Um, so like, it's still not like my movie, but I can, I respect what's being done, but like, I need a little more uh, for me, for, for me as a viewer of a film, I need a little more pistache, uh, you know, pistache, <laughs> but pizzazz, not pizzazz, um, patiche, is, I guess, the word I'm looking for. Like, more energy overall mm, mm, in, in order mm. to be engaged. It's it's definitely those, these kind of film, Kelly Record films kind of feel like those films you can watch while doing something else, but you're still able to yeah. watch it and See, understand it and connect with it. And I'll go into it when I talk when I talk about it, but I kind of, like, I have, like, the opposite viewpoint while I don't think you're wrong. I, okay. so I've <laughs> so I've never seen a Kelly Reichert movie before. Um, this is my first foray into her uh, her oeuvre, and I'll say like the first ten minutes of this movie, I'm like, oh no, what did I just get myself into? And then I just settled in, and I I enjoyed the hell out of this movie. Like, oh awesome! She, like it felt lived in. It felt real. The characters felt real. Mm-hmm. Um, at least the situations. Um, I really like how they're all always doing something. And even though I thought the art was kind of trash, like we, we, we can go into that, but whatever. I do but, want to go into that, yeah. <laughs> but the fact that how much they cared about it was cool watching um, and how she just, like every performance, she steals every scene she's in. And I, you know, I just want to watch her perform. I mm-hmm. loved her in The Whale. I loved her in The Menu. I loved her, like just everything she's been in, it feels like. And you're gonna have to go see Asteroid City now. I'm not. I don't know. Oh, don't, don't. <laughs> Neither of us are gonna re- recommend seeing Asteroid City. Yeah, no. But um, I don't know. I did. I, I. This makes me want to go watch more Kelly Reichert movies. Um, it felt like a nice entry point. It was. Yes, I feel like you could watch it while it's on in the background and get a lot of it, but you do miss a lot of the nuance, the characters, um, like their facial expressions. Just what Michelle Williams is doing here was. Fantastic. Mm. She was not her performance. She was not trying to be likable. She was just trying to be, yeah, and just trying to survive. And I thought it was interesting. Don't you like how Kelly Reichert was able to get interesting, fun performances out of like Michelle Williams and Judd Hirsch and Steven Spielberg? Fucking just oh, didn't. I was gonna say. I, I thought <laughs> about that a lot. I think the whole time I was thinking Judd Hirsch is way better in this movie. 
And Michelle Williams is way better in this movie. Him explaining him, like, trying to have sex with that, like, <laughs> him trying to have sex with those two women, or hitting on those two women while him telling a story about him trying to have sex with another woman that was, like, that liked to wear vests and was, like, not very nice or something, and then having his wife come up and be like, you didn't know her. And he's like, yes, I did. Disagree. Disagree. <laughs> was the best. Yeah, I, I wish he was, like, that authentically nervy in like the Steven Spielberg thing instead of so like melodramatic. Yeah, exactly. Cause it kind of feels like there's the same overall kind of skeleton of a character in both of those films for that. For sure. But this actually feels like an authentic sort of human being. But that's, I mean, and again, this is not like, like dump on the Fableman's hour, but like Michelle Williams kind of like yelling into her phone about how it's not cool that like, um, someone parked in her spot um, to like Joe while like Joe was having a party next door. Um, and then like hanging up and then turning around and just like looking at her art was way more interesting than like anything that Mitzi fate was Mitzi Fableman. Yeah. It doesn't matter yeah. that, that um, she was doing in, in the Fablemans, even though she was like, I'm so weird. Look yeah. how weird I am. Oh, it made like I thought about that the whole time. I was like, oh, the Fablemans is just not great. Everyone thought it was so good. I, I think s- it was fine, but I really didn't like her performance Ugh. at all. And Judd Hirsch should have been nominated for an Oscar. So, but he did this thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that thing. Um, yeah, I this it's it's funny because like Old Joy is on my list, pivotal film list because it's the first Kelly Reichert movie I, I saw and I like really connected with it and then I put Wendy and Lucy as like the, my number two movie um, so far of like the the 21st century when we did those lists remember those lists that was that was a good episode um, Get Out was my number one episodes it was one it was just one episode I think or was it two episodes I don't remember yeah, we did 20 so my I was at, I was up at the at the island when I was when I was editing this so I don't really remember very much but um uh, I, I, but this kind of goes in. This kind of this movie kind of slots in with those two in the sense that I think that it is to your point, Mario. Um, I think the dialogue is 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 serving like the characters pretty well. I think it feels extemporaneous and kind of like messy because none of these people, even though they seem like they know what they're doing, actually really have a very clear sense of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So I thought one of the to your point, like all the art was kind of crap except i think for joe's like big red thing i thought that was pretty and but that is the thing that someone was like uh, lizzie just kind of stared at it for a while it was like the one thing that got like real attention like oh whoa this is like this is something um just from like an art standpoint because i think all of lizzie's stuff has like big metaphors attached to it (laughs) um but everyone said that like no one had anything really interesting to say about art. Everyone was like, it's really cool. It's great. It's awesome what you're doing. I think, you're, I think your girls are awesome. I think they're just so cool. I love when imperfections make it, make it cool. And it's like, oh, <laughs> you guys are all such phonies. Yeah, yeah. And I think it does. That's the thing. I think this movie, I've, I've seen that people have said, like, this movie is the best movie that's ever been made about, like, what it's like to be, like, a starving artist and, like, the kind of belief you have to have in yourself and your art, even when, like, Nobody else believes in you, and there's a community here. Like this, you know. It's like a commune almost. Exactly, of people that are all just like, I'm making a thing. What are the, you know, I remember like the beginning of the movie when they showed those kids like sitting, because there's all these 
like interstitial scenes of just like people doing art at the school and there's those kids sitting in that room with that geodesic dome thing and they're playing all those things and the teacher's like the movement and the colors and the shapes it's like what is it doing and there's like a beat and then some girl just goes blowing our minds and he's like <laughs> and then he's like who wants, who wants to get to it inside? who wants to go in it and then and then um James LaGrosse sitting there with the pots and he's like this one's up to something He's like, this one's got its own thing going on. You know what I mean? And like all that stuff is just kind of like, it's fucking nonsense, but they all really believe it like super earnestly. And I, I, um, I just really, I think she's become really good at building out, um, these characters without having to do very much so that at the end of the movie joked about like a, an act of violence in a Kelly record movie as a cat, like just, mauling a pigeon long enough or bad enough to be not to not fly for a week and then to and then to fly so not even really all that bad but like the climax of this movie comes when you know everyone spent the whole movie making art you know what i mean and they're like oh it's so cool and everyone's always moving and everyone's always like you said everyone's always doing stuff but for one second everybody fucking stops doing stuff and it's when this pigeon is flying around and there's a real honest to goodness moment and everyone was just like, okay. And then the one real person in the movie, the one who has a mental health issue that prevents him from, like, I think the movie's suggesting from being pretentious, really, because he, like, actually believes what he's doing. Yeah, he's digging this hole for a real reason. Um, picks up this pigeon and, 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 like, lets it go. And it's kind of like this, it's like an illustration of, like, his own kind of freedom and obviously he's got some he's got some problems, but he's he's um, it's something that she has set up using just the images and just these characters' relation to it, and then and then like you said, that kind of like very specific dialogue to kind of like add depth to to like what's happening here. So I think rather than it being like a character study of Lizzie, because I don't think she grows all that much, it's a kind of the whole thing is like a big like metaphor for like what making art is is like you know what i mean like you do you just struggle and you struggle and you struggle and then like something happens and it's just that you didn't plan on happening and it's just like the it's that's that's the thing that's really cool and awesome yeah there was a really cool moment where when judd hirsch in at the at the 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 showing is looking at her art. Yeah. And you could tell she's like intent on like watching his reaction and when he responds like positive like that's the only person she cares about, like mm-hmm. liking her art. And it was like there's something about like the way his face and her face went in that scene. It was just like really interesting. Absolutely. The ca- and the camera work there too, it's like <clears throat> panning with him. It's almost and because the lights are kind of shining on it and like everything's glazed, there's like a sparkle to it. So mm-hmm. it seems actually kind of high res for a, like an action shot in a Kelly Reichert movie is just panning across some sculptures while Judd Hirsch is like kind of chuckling to himself. Mm-hmm. And like, he's like the one that gets it while everyone else is like, it looks so good and they're not even near it or looking at it, yeah, but exactly. he's actually like engaging with it. Yeah. Um, and I just think, so this has like been a very positive week for me from a film going perspective because I saw like three really interesting movies, like for the first time all year. <laughs> Um, and, and this was kind of, this was the last one I saw and it kind of like, I don't know, made me feel good about like, uh, again, 
I can see Bo is afraid on Tuesday and really hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait. And well, really, I'm going to have to rewatch it. So and really I'm hate everything about that it. that torture on myself. Um, are you going to rewatch it? Uh-huh. I might put it on in the background. There you we'll go. See. Um, but yeah, I, um, yeah, I loved it. Can I say something that, that's not the point of the movie? No. So you know, you know, so you know, do you ever have those actors who whenever they show up in a movie, even though they're like be a solid performer, you just, you just want to tear your ears out. Yes. And this isn't a criticism of this, this actress. Man, do I not like seeing Amanda Plummer and stuff. <laughs> Amanda Plummer actually lives at that house. I, she's perfectly she, like, <laughs> she's perfectly like a good, a solid actress, yeah. you know, like. They were just so weird. Like, so it, I buried, I, they were because they were so fucking weird. Yeah, it's just like, but every time, man, I just. Yeah, no, so I, 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 I get it. It's I the get only you, time yeah. where I've That's, seen it. So, and it but it's not a, a criticism of who she is as, a, as an actress or a person. It's just, do you ever have that person? Yeah. Like, no matter what. Well, that's like the Nathan Lane thing for me. If Nathan Lane's in something, I'm almost. You know he's in Bo, right? What? You know he's in. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That movie, but right? the thing, I'm almost out instantaneously. Like, Only Murders in the Building is like a, a show that my family like really likes. I and I fucking hate, I hate that show. He's not and in that much. Though. He's in it enough for me <laughs> to hate it. I don't know why. I guess, Amanda I don't think he's Plum- even a bad actor. Just like. Even when he tries to subvert his Nathan Lane-ness, I'm just like, oh, you're still so Nathan Lane. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait to see Bo's afraid. Doesn't ruin my enjoyment of things, I should say, but I'm just like, ah. Oh, she was so background in this that it didn't. But that's the best. Like, she really literally was background because until she started talking and moved her head, like the camera, I was like, oh, there's a person back there yeah. because her clothes <laughs> like they, blended into the couch. When they walk in and they're just like sprawled out on the couch, I'm like, God, I already hate these people. <laughs> With the bare feet up <laughs> Yeah, and, and I'm like, yeah. these people are the worst. But that's the thing. So that's, what the, that's why I think this movie is really interesting is that like it's all these examples of people that think they're free and like what that actually means. Like what does it mean to like be a free person? Um, and the, I, the I guess one of the best parts about like a Kelly Record movie is that like she definitely doesn't try to answer it. No, like the not only at all. Fr- the freest thing in this movie is the bird. Is the bird? <laughs> but it also essentially, uh, the cat's pretty free. The cat's pretty free. Well, it gets locked in the basement for a long time, and you get that fake, <laughs> that hilarious fake cat hand underneath the yeah, door. Oh and, my god! And you have to worry about it eating. That's no, a cat hand. <laughs> they call it cat hand. Cat hand. Okay. You got to worry about it eating. It doesn't seem like it eats enough. Well, she doesn't. Find enough food, apparently. Have, but that's a really weird thing. Is that like so? There's like that freedom thing, but like, how unfree are all of these people? You know, what I mean, they're all starving and struggling and like, whatever. But they don't I have bet, hot water. I mean, but <laughs> I bet that school costs a lot of money to go to, and I bet those people have money and they've made a choice to kind of live in this very, you know, austere way. Like, is a way to kind of support their their art or whatever. Um, I don't know. But I, it was, but that's yeah. It's it's awesome. It, it leaves like no answers to anything. How do we, how do we get from here to there, Mario and Andy? How do we from nowhere? How do we leave Portland and go to, go to nowhere? Uh, well, probably if there was a cat in this film or a pigeon, they would have been shot to death, <laughs> or had some. There's definitely Things probably experimented there's, there's on. There's definitely film. like cat hybrids in in the uh, New Earth or whatever. So well, you yeah. know they got blown up. They blow there's up. There's the at least walruses and you know. 
They're basically cats. That poor rabbit. Rabbit's like a cat. I wanted that. I wanted the rabbit's metal jaws to move in for it not to be a speaker. I know. That was that was a, a disappointment to me. But uh, only one of the very few disappointments in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Why are we always getting involved in everyone else's trouble? <laughs> because we're the freaking Guardians of the Galaxy. In one week. Crank up the volume for the summer's biggest event. I'm Groot. You're all just making up stuff that he's saying, right? No. Analogy. Is it? Metaphor. If this is the end, may as well have a little fun, huh? Guardians of the Galaxy is laugh out loud funny. Hello! A crazy adventure. Exactly. And the best Marvel movie since Endgame. You left out some important information, but that is the gist of it. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I was screaming at something scary behind you, not you. You look really cool. Thank you. Read PG-13, May 5th. Get tickets now. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is the final film in the Guardians trilogy before James Gunn turns heel, or, or how you would say, switches, the, switches companies. He's he, fucking he, coming back. Leaves, None of these movies are going to be any good. <laughs> he's, he's, leaving, he's leaving Stanford and going down to Jacksonville, as the wrestling people might say. <laughs> um, I guess it'd be flipped. Uh, AEW's in Jacksonville? Yeah. yeah. Um, nice. Classy. They, the Guardians of the Galaxy now are in control of nowhere. I guess that was the thing that happened in the holiday special that I completely forgot about. Uh, Rocket is attacked by Adam Warlock and is critically injured. They have to find a way to heal him, but they can't because there is a switch in it that will kill him if they try to fix him. Uh, as we see this, we see Rocket's past, how he came to be through experimentation by the High Evolutionary. Uh, while he's doing that, he does eventually meet um, other animals who are experimented on, Tiefs and Lila and Thor. Um, you know, the Guardians go on, on a journey to kind of find the way to get to the Switch's controls to do the override. We eventually learn that Psy Evolutionary has created a counter-Earth because he's trying to create the perfect creature. Uh, ensuing things happen, as they always are wont to do in a Marvel film. Uh, we learned that all those animals were Tiefs and Lila and Floor were killed by the High Evolutionary. Uh, and then eventually they are able to, and an entire planet is, is killed. There's, there's a severe genocide happening. Um, you do what you got to do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he it demands It wasn't perfect yet. There was a lot of drug dealing going on. on <laughs> it would seem like America for <laughs> people with animal heads. Yeah, exactly. And uh, eventually... Um, the High Evolutionary is, is defeated. They're able to save Rocket. Uh, and everyone goes on their way. Batista's like, see ya. I'm going to try to be a real actor. Maybe not have to be so muscular anymore. I don't know. <laughs> what if that's his angle? And Karen Gillian's like, no, please, let me stay in these movies. I like the money. They're not making Jumanji movies anymore either. I think they are making it. Oh, well, good Jumanji for her. Movie. 
I think they're going to keep her around. She definitely released like a YouTube video like, this is how much fun Guardians of the Galaxy was to make. There's a whole bunch of, I mean, and Chris Pratt basically said too that like, if he liked what they needed Star-Lord to do, he would come back and do some more Star-Lord That motherfucker stuff. was in Jurassic World Dominion. If they, it's like, here's a, the paycheck. Chris Pratt will be like, okay. But that, I'll say. the top five highest grossing movies of the last year, so I mean. Yeah, that guy is fucking amazing. <laughs> um, he's, all of his movies make. A shitload. Yeah, it's just TV shows make no money. Great agent. Great agent. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, I started my... Uh, yeah, no, uh, this is one of the one of the better uh, top top five of, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe films, I would I say. Agree. I agree. Um, it's incredibly solid from a visual standpoint. Uh, probably, by far, my favorite villain. Um in the entirety of, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. I enjoy yep. the fact that there's legitimate stakes in this, that it was unrelentingly cruel. Uh, oh, God. In, in these films. I yeah. bawled during this movie so many times. I was crying. I mean, obviously, occasionally we, we, need, it. we need something that's different. This like was... Doctor, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness was trying to do something different. But still ended up playing ultimate to those story beats. This yeah. is the most emotional, I think, Marvel movie I've seen. Maybe, yeah. I mean, Infinity War was fairly so at the end, but um, not throughout. Like, can I Marvel's. remind you of the Eternals when Fastos blew up? He dropped an atomic bomb and then cried in it, the wreckage. Hello, yes, <laughs> just. A, I just don't want to forget. Never forget. I didn't, Fastos. Again, I didn't hate World the Eternals, but this was emotional throughout. Yeah, I'm just yeah, like the the uh, you know the, the arc floor, was crazy. Like, like the Flortis rocket go now part is is pretty is pretty tough. Yeah, uh, followed up by you know the like greatest moment probably in a Marvel movie um, when uh, you know the high evolutionary uh, Chuck Woody Woody I think that's how you say his name. Close uh, enough. Just as rockets cry, he goes ah, and cries, and it goes, "You win, I guess." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, and I think th- I think that's the the best part of this. I think if I think it's a solid film, a really solid film, and it really hits hit emotional highs, and visually, it's amazing. Uh, you know, especially comparatively to Quantum Mania. Um, <laughs> that's not even fair. Know, if they don't have, uh, well, I'm, I, and I don't mean that as a criticism to like the CGI artists, because it's just. The ideas that are the presented ideas, here yes, yes, are much exactly. more interesting looking. Well, a lot of the stuff here is uh, there's a lot of practical stuff going on in some of these in like, oh, some yeah, of especially these sets. Like the creature design, the the inside set of the um, headquarters, uh, mm-hmm. but making it like living tissue is is, is fantastic. Yeah, you tell, yeah. you know, like James Gunn wants to do. Like loves doing fucked up shits to the body. Sure, he's definitely like a Mad Charles. But it worked. He likes the grotesque. Like he loves he loves society clearly because. But like there was stuff that he did in this movie that like another so. In so let's if you just put the stuff in Mad George, that's what I was thinking. If you put this stuff in Quantum Mania, like they're not making any of the sets in the headquarters. They're not making the throne room set. They're not making. They're not making anything. I mean, like everything's going to be like one hundred percent CGI'd. and then people will just be standing in front of, you know, in, in, in that kind of, was that Mandalorian thing that they use now, um, where they project. Oh, yeah, the LED. Yeah, 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 screen. whatever. It's, there's like a name for it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's some of the, the visual effects in this, like, for what it is, are kind of um, incredible for a, for a Marvel movie. 
Incredibles like too like effusive, but like when we're used to like the mud of like the last whole bunch of you know it, it feels MCU exactly. movies like it, this it is kind of feels inspired. like a lot of empty MCU movies are studio pushing stuff down, but I feel like James Gunn gets away with a lot more like yeah. more Arturi sort of stuff and. And it, it, it shows. I, I think the three Guardians movies are three of the best of all the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. I, think. I don't think that's it's all that close. Yeah, I do. I do think the ego stuff in two is a little muddy, but I think it comes back to this where he wants his body horror. He wants, you know, those those interesting sort of unique visuals, like even the headquarters that's lifting out of Counter Earth. Like it's obviously just a um, diamond shaped kind of thing mm-hmm. uh but it at least has some interestingness to it there's like some, some texture some, to yes, it yes exactly mm-hmm. some texture it has like a cenobite slash uh i don't know uh, um bringing them from star trek um not the romulans no the klingons no 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 the the uh, the the ones that are like my least favorite race that <laughs> oh, are con- oh boy the controlled ones by the board a board style thing to it. Um, Mario's least favorite race. That's <laughs> say that. That's the one you can dislike. But no, easily for me, I, th- I think this. I think the greatness of this film rests completely on on Chadwick. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, he works. Yeah, for sure. Like he's allowed to just be a villain, you know, with no remorse. Like no remorse. Zero. It was like he was cold. It was yeah. Hard well, to you know. I just wanted to see him die. So I do but, love, yeah. I do love him delivering the line of "There is no god" in a universe where there very clearly are many gods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like and like clearly like multiple after like, different afterlives. Then we just do ego in the last movie. Didn't a celestial just fl- or uh, yeah, just fly at his at his fucking ship? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, or exactly. didn't you know? Uh, like in the last Thor, we clearly see that. The Asgardians have like their own afterlife sort of thing. None of that counts. <laughs> the last Thor movie is best. Well, that's the thing. So like, you know, Guardians are in the last Thor movie, but like they never mentioned Thor or anything else that they, you know, there's no blip. There's no anything in this except for the fact that like Gamora was gone and then she came back and now she's like, you know, a Ravenger. But like, they're not like, let's relitigate like the plot of, of Infinity War. Let's relitigate like the end of Endgame or something like that. They're just like this is a thing that happened. Yeah, it's coming to terms. On. It's coming in terms of to the fact that it's a different person. Right. Yeah, you know, it's it's not the same individual, and you know more Quill coming to terms with that. And I'm glad they didn't like sit sit on that and like recap all that's happened in all the Marvel movies, which happens in oh, a few of the last couple, and it's just like including Adam Warlock. Yeah. <laughs> Where they're just like this guy's here now. Will Poulter was really was really solid in this movie. He is. I. It's like the one for me. Like the Adam Warlock stuff is is like this movie's one real flaw because it is a gun. Cre- it's it's like part of the. It's a, a a thing Gun wanted to do. I think. Um, but I mean, he he was part of like a a, a post credit sequence. He wasn't like in the movie or anything like that. And they did need Rocket to be injured somehow. And so he really was just kind of like a vehicle for that. Mm-hmm. And they did really interesting stuff with him after the fact, like the saving spoiler alert, the saving Peter thing is just fucking genius. 
with like the the one the finger, of man yeah, thing. just coming in. I was like, and then like his face as he's like zooming him back, and like the juxtaposition yeah. of like Peter's face and his face is just amazing. It's <laughs> just great, great stuff. Um, but I think I I do want to give a shout out to the much maligned Bradley Cooper. No, <laughs> that guy's a genius. Vin Diesel. That guy's a genius. No, well, I was happy for Vin Diesel that he just got to be Vin Diesel. <laughs> Still, um, yeah. you had to say something different this time. Yeah, I'm not sure how I felt about that. I love you. It's like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> come on. What now? Um, Chris Pratt was pretty fucking good. Yeah, he was really good in this. He was really good, and he was like, he seemed off. Like, you know, and I think that was the thing about the holiday special too. They're like everyone, was like Kevin Bacon, Kevin Bacon. It's like the real significance about this holiday special is that. Star-Lord seems weird. Like, mm-hmm. he is going through, like, some heavy shit. And I think he sold it. I mean, and he gets really... He got really emotional in this movie, and I bought all that stuff. Like, like hard. So the point where he... When he goes back to see his grandfather, again, spoiler alert, I was, like... The tears were right up in there. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, you know, this is pretty good. Yeah. I was just happy was, for it. Yeah. I was just happy They're for happy the character. Tears, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I didn't give a shit. That's because you're, because you don't like cats. (laughs) No, I just, you don't have a soul. No, I just, I don't know. I I always find like the, the romance side of it and like his struggle, like to be fairly uninteresting. I just don't care. And I think it's, I think it's fine. I think everyone's selling this on on people. It's a lot of people I don't typically like. Like I'm not a Zoe Saldana person. I think she's usually (laughs) Zoe Saldana. What? (laughs) And yeah, she's fantastic. I don't even in know everything. if she's a good actor. She just kicks ass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's good action, like star, like a good kind of like Jean Claude Van Damme style, like. Come on, drumline. She fucking <laughs> rules a drumline. Mercy drumline. Um, <laughs> Nick Cannon's <laughs> coming out party. Oh, I mean, he should have stayed in. Uh, <laughs> but it's just, a, it, it's just a, a a part of the story. I just never really gave a fuck about. And I guess I which I know is like a central tenet. Of this, I don't think I gave series. a fuck about it either until this movie when the stakes seemed really, really high. Because I don't think I think even in Guardians two, he wasn't as committed to to doing this as he was in this movie for sure. And, I, and that's that could just be like the nature of like you know fame or being a movie star or like growing as an actor. But I mean, he's been like an actor for a long time. So it's it, maybe it did just take him like 13 years to like turn into something real. Um, but he, I, I feel like he actually believed what he was doing here and like sold it. Like when he thought rocket was going to die, which was, I was just kept waiting. I just wanted to see, cause that's in the previews and, but like with no sound, and I was like, I want to see what this is in, in reference to. Um, I was like, that's good. That's good acting. That's you know he's 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 doing he's doing the work. Yeah, whether you like the character and everything, you gotta admit that his oh, no. his performance was. Well, I think it's better in this than it's been in. And that's what I'm saying. Like I think I think everyone here oh. is hitting on the cylinders they need to hit on. Like even the people I typically like in the previous films, like um, like Palm Palm Clementine. Yeah, like who I've liked all throughout this. Like, yeah, like I thought Mantis is a fun character. Like it's. Even more solid here, yeah. Especially like the relationship between her and Drax is, is mm-hmm. well done, and I, you know, I'm a mm-hmm. Batista guy, like through and yeah, through. Sure. Um, I almost wish I gave him a little more to do. Yeah, I, I just think he was done. I think I, I was done Batista, too. He was just like, I want to do has. Little, I think Gunn wrote the script in a way of like, I'll make it so like I have you enough to have your story complete, but 
I, I just don't think he wants We're going to do a long, a long laying down on a couch <laughs> joke. And that's as silly <laughs> that as you're going to so, get in this. It was, that was good, though. Um, it kept making me laugh. But I think, I mean, I, the, I think the real difference between this movie and, like, all the... In every, every other Marvel movie... And that, but I think like the difference between this and like the, the two previous Guardians movies is um, the word that kept coming to mind while I was watching this is like intimacy. Like the camera is right in everybody's face the whole time, and mm. he uses a really interesting lens that creates a kind of like stretched fishbowl. So it's mm. not like it's not it's not round. It's not fully rounded off, but there is a little bit of like pressing out of stuff so you're right in people's faces yeah a lot of forced perspective but i think it really it helps feed it helps kind of feed into the emotionality of the movie and then when there's stuff that happens like the hallway fight which is one of the top three fight sequences in a marvel movie like it's it feels like it feels you feel really happy for them and you it's a good time and it's energizing. And I think it's one of the things that the Marvel movies have been missing, like, I don't know, for a long time, is energy. energy. Yeah. That's, like, well, that's a perfect word. That's what I was looking for. Like, this movie felt like, oh, it was like a fresher breath of air watching a Marvel like, movie. Talking, it's been, like, I don't want to keep harping on Ant-Man and Mania, but it was, it's, that, yeah. that sucked all the air out of the room. It has been since Shang-Chi, and that was only, like, a, occasionally, that there's been any kind of real, like, energy in a, in a store in like a in a moment in in a marvel movie and even yeah, from like like a visual like a visuals mixed with music p- point of view like the the jump onto um orgo the the headquarters mm-hmm. with flaming lips and the do you realize and the different colored suits it's the it's among just, us suits yeah <laughs> well, it was just it was great because it's like it's it's interesting to watch even though it's simple like it probably didn't actually yeah, you know, wasn't CGI heavy um, from a perspective of like needing so many different things going on, but like, and the music choice in there was perfect, and like that was you get a little space great. hog going. Um, yeah, and that's I mean, I've I've like three my three little criticisms of this movie are one, just like the Adam Warlock kind of be, feeling like the one thing feeling kind of like gerrymandered into the thing, um, and maybe it's not even three, maybe it's just two. The needle drops. Are literally constant. Yeah, there it was. It was almost, and they're not even really like super original. Like no sleep till Brooklyn. Give me a fucking break. <laughs> like Marvel. you are Marvel. Just buy another goddamn fucking Beastie Boys song. There's a million of them. Imagine if they played Shore Shot during that thing, or Root Down, or anything. But I gotta get and, like, no sleep already, till Brooklyn again. And it's already been like toppled. It, it's sabotage, but by the um, Star Trek uh, Beyond. Like sabotage space fight, yeah, like, and that's like, a, you know, that's also a commonly used song, but less commonly to No Sleep Till Brooklyn. Well, yeah, but like, yeah, they're playing. Better. Was it Florence the Machine at the very end? I was like, ah, whatever. Which was like, again, it, it like it worked, ish. You know what I mean? It was it was fun, um, but that's I don't. Florence the Machine, right? I'm not like a Florence the Machine. Yeah, I'm not a Florence the mm. Machine guy. Although I did read that she was like overwhelmed emotionally like when she saw it like in theaters oh, that, that's cool. which is cool but like yeah i was like the dog is like can we be any more obvious with these choices like james gunn you have you are making a movie for like the biggest fucking media conglomerate in the world i'm sure they own some songs that you could just stick in here i think he just wants obvious beats because of the audience you think so yeah you're, the odds you're playing to you that, like, that's you have what, to be that's what he's done in the last obvious. two movies with his dino drops which 
I, I understand it's a little much, but I kind of I kind of like it. I think I would have not minded so much if it wasn't every time the scene shifted that they like did fair. another That's needle fair. drop. Is yeah. it a hot take to say this is significantly better than the Suicide Squad? The or just Suicide Squad? Oh no, no, I'm talking the James Gunn. Movie. No, it's yeah, no, it's a hot take to say it's better than the 2016 <laughs> much maligned Suicide no, Squad. That is that one the or uh, that's Suicide Squad. I am saying that this is significantly. I like sure? the Suicide Squad. Oh, so so I just rewatched that one, and it's, it's the James Gunn one. It's still really, really good. I think <laughs> it's really funny. I just don't. It's messy and too trauma and too uh, trauma for me. And I just don't care about any of those. And he never gives me a reason to care. They're all just vehicles for humor and for like murdering things. And that's and that's I think to your trauma point. It's all very like I don't know. I I was writing an email There's to somebody no today. There's no stakes, and like I have to have. I just I gotta have some some stakes that I believe are real. Well, that's why like Peacemaker blows the shit out of like the Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I watched a little bit of that show. Yeah, it does feel more like intense than the Suicide Squad, which is just like I have a bunch of superhero jokes I want to throw in something. Yeah, there's yeah. there's worldwide stakes in Peacemaker, but yeah. Well, no, I, I meant stakes like I mean, like, there I are meant personal. I meant suicide. personal stakes. Oh, I, I meant like. Oh, like, it's only personal like family stakes. stakes yeah. and whatnot that are more interesting. There's actual character growth, and I think I, mean, I think Idris the Suicide Elba Squad was daughter in. Yeah. Okay. It's not. It's not. Played I just actually well. assumed she was going to die the whole. I think movie. The, the Suicide Squad is a great, was a perfect pandemic movie because it was amazing for like a Friday night where you just wanted to like be drunk or high and oh, it, watch it. I, I, I think it's great for that. That's how I watched like, it, but it's still good. Yeah, it's, yeah no, it's I'm, no, fine. I'm, I'm it's, just it's, saying. No, I like Guardians 3 better. Like, like it's not yeah, even it's, close. I, but, like the Suicide Squad, I still say is an enjoyable time, but like, well, and this is some a, people are, some people are still saying, oh, I prefer the Suicide Squad. Those people are dumb. DC. No, that, that's not and right. It's like, there's, like the only shit you're going to be able to do with the DC is Green Lantern for like the fun inventiveness and, you know, letting Matt Reeves continue with the Batman, but then letting him not have to have a third act. <laughs> right. Well, that's, I mean, that, I was thinking about this too when I was watching the movie. Is that like, James, it doesn't matter if James Gunn does the Superman. It doesn't matter who does Superman. Superman is not an interesting character and there's nothing you can do to make him interesting. I you, see, you see it here. You see it with Adam Warlock. <laughs> right. And Adam Warlock is so like, he, he made him insanely somewhat nerfed. interesting though. That's, but that's why. A, that's but he had to make him not Adam Warlock. But, but that's also, you're not going to have an Adam Warlock movie. Like you, you can't. No, and that's the thing. Adam Warlock will show, I think, so what I've heard, or not what I've heard, but like one of the theories that I've heard on like a podcast is that the, because the Adam Warlock in the comic book needed to die periodically and then be kind of like reborn. And that's kind of how he grew. Um, I think there's a world in which as they inch closer to Secret Wars, I think Adam Warlock will play a similar role that he played in the Infinity Gauntlet saga, like comic book series where he kind of, comes in at the last moment to like restore like order to shit because like everything's out of control. And they're like, well, who's the most powerful being in the universe? And at that moment, it's like Adam Warlock and he just like walks in. And he's like, I'm going to take this and then you're going to go to this garden. And then me and this little troll thing that's voiced by Patton Oswalt at the end of the Eternals movie are going to walk around and talk for a while and everything will be back to normal. Well, that's what I like about the idea of doing Secret Wars. Like, I want to get through the multiverse stuff to get to Secret Wars, just because Secret Wars is more intimate. 
you know, in a way. Like it's well, there's there's just a actual planet, right? and well, that's well, Secret Wars is the idea with Secret Wars is that there's uh, it's it's the end of the multiverse stuff. So there's different universes on one pla- on just one spot place. No, that are going to one of them has to die, like so they can't both universes can't survive simultaneously, or they're both and explode, and so they fight. Different characters in each universe fight for like control of the multiverse, and then Doctor Strange and Doctor Doom and one more person—I forget who it is now—kind um, of conspire to create a new universe that is that Doctor Doom kind of lords over. That one of the a group of of characters kind of like stumbles onto which includes like Black Panther and Reed Richards and Captain Marvel and a couple of other people and they have to expose it and then Doctor and Doctor Strange is kind of like oh we had to do this thing you had no choice and Michael Myers stabs him <laughs> Michael Myers comes out with a chainsaw <laughs> cuts which, all their heads off <laughs> yeah um I, I, once again you like I start hearing that stuff and I'm like oh okay right this is why I don't care. Once you, <laughs> yeah, once you, when you're reading it, you're like, yeah, this is cool. And then when you start telling someone about it, yeah. you're like, no, nah, it's not cool. See, no, it's a thing. The Wikipedia articles about comic books are very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. But then I realize that those take me 20 minutes to read <laughs> and everything else is like a long. Well, that's, I mean, so my like reading the Bible, my problem with this stuff is that I always find the comic books like vastly more interesting than the stuff that gets made out of the comic book. So like one of the things that like the WandaVision series was based off of is this um, run of um, vision comic books called the vision where he vision kind of creates a family for himself. And um, like, and it's just kind of like this existential, like what is a family? What is it? What does it mean to be a person? And like, what are the trappings of humanity? And that includes a family. What does it mean to be a family? And like, what does it mean to be alive? And if you can kill anything, like, why does it matter that you live? And so like his wife, like kills herself by like eating this, this thing. Um, but it's really dark and it's asking a lot of big questions where WandaVision's just kind of like, Oh, where did, where did this baby come from? And are Tommy and Timmy going to turn into like Marvel characters later? And, like, is this guy going to be Reed Richards? And is who's Monica Rambeau going to be? And, oh, it's White Vision. Oh, and Wanda. Cool. Or Agatha. Yeah. Isn't that cool? And then you're just like, I guess that was pretty fun. But it doesn't mean anything. There's no emotions attached to it. And that's why Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is great. Because, like, at the end of the movie, you're just like, I felt a bunch of stuff. Like, even if it's even if it's, like, fear for the animals or just, like, anger or like you kind of were like turned off by the cruelty or like whatever like you at least felt something you, yeah. and that's never a thing that happens these, in Marvel no. movies these movies <laughs> need to be one of two things they either need to be this like have emotionally high intimate stakes right or they need to be like Loki which is just kind of a Doctor Who style Monster of the week, story of the week, looseness, nothing. It's maybe building to an overall canon, but like really, you're just having fun in these interesting yeah. little adventures. Yeah, most of these just feel like two hour long episodes, and it's right. like oh, and they don't. They're, they're they don't trying to do both. Or they're right. trying to do both. But Loki, Loki's kind of was doing that, but like it was also like it was building. It was just kind of it was building a world though. It was building. It was doing world building. 
but I don't really think it was like trying to have no, because stakes. It wasn't really that's the thing. So it was world building, but the thing that was really happening in Loki and why it was so good is that it put Loki it started Loki at point A, and by the end of it, he had so in when we talked about showing up and this is how these things are related. There we go. At the end of showing up, we said that like Lizzie doesn't like grow all that much. She's like the same person, but she's like maybe a little more vulnerable. She's a little more she's like She's thawed like a tiny bit. By the end of Loki... There's been an unbinding. A little bit, yeah. yeah. There's If there's a bunch of threads on her, like someone pulled out a couple, a couple of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. At the end of Loki, Loki is asking himself like very sincerely, what does it mean to be me? Not just me like as a, as like a self, but the idea of me. And he who remains is literally like putting it to him like, listen, I know everything. And this is what's going to happen if you don't let me just keep doing this stuff. Let me text and I, it to you. I know the. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he and so you get to watch Tom Hiddleston try to navigate that choice, and that's where the Sylvie character is really interesting because she is where Loki was when the show started, where she knows better than everybody, and she fucked it up like Loki always fucked everything up. And so that's why that show is really interesting because it puts him in these really, like, you know, absurdist and surrealist and crazy, like, Doctor Who-like things, ultimately to get him to a point where he needs to make, a, like, a legitimate choice. Mm. And that's why Series 5 of Doctor Who's the best. I don't know. I've never know seen that. Who's Doctor, Doctor Who during that one? Oh, it's Matt Smith's oh, okay. season. That's, like, the first Karen Gillian Matt Smith season. Uh, like, where um, Stephen Moffat took over for Russell T. Davies. And I was like, this is amazing. You lost me now at Stephen Moffat. Like, you guys have both lost me with all your like nerd shit right now, so I don't know where like a good anything is. build and a good arc at the end of the season. And then like they try to replicate it again later, and it's just like, oh, no, nobody gives a shit. Mm. Um, let's take a quick break, and then mm-hmm. we'll do the heavy lifting here. We'll get into it. We will. We'll dig through the pile. That is Scream 6. <laughs> 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 Who's the new guy? I'm sorry. What? Who are you? I'm glad you asked, new guy. My name is Pravitra Prabhakar. I live in Mumbai. This is where the traffic is. This is also where the traffic is. There's traffic here, too. Being Spider-Man is so easy. I fight a few bad guys. Quick break for chai with my Maya auntie. I love chai tea. What did you just say? Chai tea? Chai means tea. You're saying tea tea. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Exclusively in movie theaters, June 2nd. So one night in Miami... Uh, some boxers, uh, Muhammad Ali and Malcolm X. Now, Ken Powers did co-direct this. That's fun. I know. I don't know. He didn't do anything with the first Spider-Verse, though, right? No. So they switched up the directors, I think, to more reflect like what this movie was gonna be. Got it. Um, so okay. yeah, Ken Powers. So each of the directors I've heard kind of supervise a different aspect of the movie. So Ken Powers like really leaned into the script and the story and the character development. And one of them really leaned like heavily into the like the art style, like, like the concept Joaquin design. Santos, he's probably yes. an animator guy. And then the other one dug into like how to like the execution of like um like this the cinematic execution of stuff. That's smart. And then Chris Miller is on this one, which he did not write the first one. Right. it still and like retains well, the Lord, Lord and Miller production. The presence yeah. of the Lord wrote the first here one is, with the with the partner. Exactly. So we open with Gwen Stacy's universe, where we see how she became Spider-Woman, uh, where she accidentally killed Peter Parker when he became Lizard. Um, she eventually fights Vulture from a Renaissance 
universe, and that's how she meets Miguel O'Hara, who, uh, and the other pregnant woman, um, Jessica Drew. Um, was that her name right? Issa Rae, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I know it's Issa Rae, but I like the character name. I just I like, think the oh, character is Issa Rae. It's pretty much the same. I just like pregnant spider woman. That's Jessica like, Drew, who never yeah. gets off her motorcycle. Yeah, um, they kind of take her in to become part of their spider society. We then go back to follow Miles. He's doing his thing. He eventually encounters the spot who he stole a bagel from. Uh, he threw in, a bagel at him. Sorry, threw the bagel. That's right. At him in, in the, the best background. scene in one of the best movies of the last 20 years. <laughs> Selecting a bagel. <laughs> uh, the spot is, is frustrated with, with Miles because he's been, you know, he's made into the spot because of piecework stuff that happened there. Um, well, he goes in the, the hydrogen collider. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, I mean, that's what... I just don't want to, like, over-explain it. Uh, but he's, he's just trying to rob an ATM machine. Yeah. Uh, literally steal the ATM. Ch- uh, chai tea. Yeah. <laughs> Non-bread. Um, a- ATM machine? <laughs> chai tea? Yeah. Uh, eventually, he gets into a, you know, fight with Spider-Man, uh, and he learns that he can actually not just teleport himself, but travel to different universes. And his plan now is to kind of like grow and grow in power so it won't be called a joke. Um, meanwhile, the uh, spider society, uh, you know, they travel to one of the universes that Spot's going to be at to try to stop him. And through steps, we learn that Miguel O'Hara, Spider-Man 2099, believes certain things need to happen in order for universes not to collapse. And one of those things... Canon events. One of those canon events uh, that Miles disrupts in, uh, you know, Mumbatan, India, is uh, the death of that Spider-Man's... Gwen Stacy's father. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, And, you know, he's angry at Miles, and Miles learns that... He needs to suffer a second canon event, which is interesting. Miles? Yeah. So my so because Miles because I, I figured Miles' canon event was his uncle dying. No, because he was already Spider-Man. And so like his dad dying is going to make him like a true Spider-Man. So he it's it's I, just, I don't I don't love it. That. I thought I was like, no, nah, well then you know, whatever. Well whatever is the right Word. Yeah. No, yeah, it's a whatever sort of thing. Uh, Miles is against that. He's, he's fighting against Miguel. They're trying to capture him. He sees Donald Glover. Uh, <laughs> That's the Prowler. And eventually... Because he was supposed to be the Prowler in Spider-Man Homecoming. No, I know. And eventually Miles is sent back, uh, but he is sent back to a different dimension than his own because of the fact that the spider that bit him was also a spider from a different demand. I believe that spider was glitching in the first movie. Yeah, too. it was Earth-42, and he was in a different Earth. Um, on that Earth, his dad has already died, um, and he is Miles is also on that place, but he is the Prowler. Yeah. Uh, and maybe also Spider-Man or something. We don't know who the No, there's spider no was. Spider-Man. There's no Spider-Man. Because the spider, because the spider didn't know and bit anyway, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You oh. can tell by the fire in the distance. Right. Um... 
I think you guys love this movie more than I did. Um, <laughs> you said you loved it. I, I am conflicted on it. You, um, yeah, that was, that was also in, as the days go on. The more he talks about it. I mean, it's high. It's just like, I don't, whatever. Um, also at the finale of this film, when we see the, the Prowler thing, Gwen, who has had a conflict with her father throughout it because her father's been trying to arrest her, stay, you know, a policeman. Um, Shea William. If Shea William tries to arrest you, you just are arrested. That's the rule. Exactly. Uh, she is able to reconcile, um, and Gwen goes off. We see Spider-Man Noir and Peter Porker and everyone from the first now trying to go to help Miles. Well, obviously, it's the Spider Society. A mm -hmm. lot of them will try to fight in what will be... Because this movie is basically Gwen's story, so her story is kind of complete. So that's why I was able to kind of like get to a round to like going, okay, fine, it's a full movie. It's a full arc, at least. Mm. Um, so my major frustration was kind of resolved with that. And beyond the Spider-Verse will be, you know, the finale, the finishing. The next, of like, two Peter, days. Of yeah. Miles' story. Yeah. It yeah. will be the, the arc that kind of begins, you know, in the second act of this film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I still love it. Uh, it's visually still interesting. It's, it's, it's not the, the emotional beats. Don't hit nearly, don't hit at all for me hmm. in this one that they did with um, Liev Schreiber's uh, Kingpin in the first one. Like his real fight and struggle to get his family back, hmm. I thought like was perfectly nailed in that. This one, uh, like visually amazing, but at times the visuals interfered with my enjoyment of it, that it's trying to do too much. It's trying to be a real kaleidoscope of a film. And hmm. from an artistic um innovation standpoint it, it's fantastic the scene where Gwen is talking to um, her father and we see the kind of the melting watercolor background of each line it's, it's, yeah. it's phenomenal and gorgeous the visual of this movie uh, is the spot the you know have his his natural growth from a joke villain to actually like a multiversal that actual monster a fantastic uh, I read something that said he looks like an eldritch like god yeah. at the end of it he basically mm. is he's mm. he's the biggest kind of threat that, you know, you would see in any of these situations. Yeah. Um, and he's still driven by a very personal reason. Works for me. I think the entire spot stuff works for me. And like the changing and the sound, the sound design in this is fantastic. I think from a technical and standpoint, it's fantastic. Doing a fantastic job. It's yeah, it's just weird to say. Yeah, um, no, I agree. No, he's, he's a good actor. He's just he a Schwartzman. He, is, he just chooses like... I think his performance here is like really good though. It's like you could feel the evolution as the character goes on. Like it's yeah, yeah. more and more kind of serious and I don't know. I got it. I like it. Yeah, I, I just at times felt not overwhelmed, but at times I felt there's just there's too much there was just too much going on and I wanted more of this felt like the most impressive visual moments of spider of the, the first Spider-Verse, which was, I forgot what it's called, Into the Spider-Verse, Spider um, that were so fundamentally like, mind-blowing mm -hmm. um, because it was so constant, became, for me, eventually a little diluted mm. and like kind of felt a separation from the story that I wanted. Mm. Still top... Still my number two. Haven't even mentioned the best character. <laughs> the, the best character. <laughs> I don't. I'm, I'm, this is a hot take. I don't. Yeah, he's fun, but I don't. I don't. The best I character don't is, is Bobby. I don't care about. Bobby's the best Clueless character. 
character in this. Whatever. I think oh, it's, I just think it's a constant joke. And it's, whatever. See, but that's the thing about this movie, and I'm just, I don't want to. If you were ready to go, no, go ahead. I'll you know I'll back off. I think the the thing about this movie, which I think so, this is you know to relate to showing up again. There's like character depth here that like is only really relevant because it's related to like all the other characters. So the fact the Hobie thing is really interesting um, because I think anyway. Because he's full of shit for the whole beginning of the movie. He's like, won't really do anything. He doesn't like, even though he can kind of, maybe he can do the venom sting too. I don't know, but he seems to know how it works. You know what I mean? And he's, he kind of is in the background, like making fun of people, but not really like doing anything. And then eventually he leaves. And then so for the whole movie, you're just kind of like, oh, he's just like, he's like a typical kind of like, like weak ass fucking fake punk where he's going to say some shit, but he's not actually going to do anything. You know what I mean? He's like, Oh, don't listen to them. But he's meanwhile, he's like, I'm not going to, you know, stick up for you. And when it gets really hard, I'm going to fucking peace out. But the end of the movie, he like does a true anarchic thing, which makes, he makes one of these, you know, bracelets, which allows you to move through the, you know, through the multiverse or whatever. And that's kind of everybody's, that's like the general evolution of like everybody here. And it's not always in the same direction, which is like a perfect characterization amalgam of like what being in like Spider-Man 29's universe is where everything's like crisscrossing over each other. So Miguel O'Hara is going this way. And, you know, um, Miles is kind of like is going to get going up and down a little bit. And Hobie's going this way and Gwen's going straight up. And like there are all these characters that are having all these like great and like Peter B. Parker, we don't really know what he's up to yet. Um, everyone's kind of having all these great, like these this great movement. Um, I don't know. I was I when so were you like deeply upset when it finished? Yeah. Like and it kind of like you know you didn't get like the resolution or did you you didn't knew it was coming though, the, right? The, the biggest problem is I didn't know it was coming. I knew it was coming. I I didn't. So like I, when I was watching the movie, I'm like. When's the third? Is this the third act starting? When? And like, we have like ten minutes left. How are we gonna wrap this up? And then I'm like, oh, that's well. Then so uh, my doesn't. my problem was the the amount of false finishes. Like I was there was a lot I of was, false finishes. I was kind of done. I they, was just like um, I was like I understand we're building stuff here, but like all these moments can be in the next movie. See, like but, I'm like I said, I, I was it was a little bit of, yeah a fatigue for me. So that's the thing. So because it wasn't like all the way working for you, you were kind of like fatigued by the end of that what we saw this on at 6 30 on thursday and the you know f- theater was full all the way down to the bottom and when the movie ended a whole like three quarters of the theater including my daughter went what like because they had no idea what yeah, was happening I no and idea. i when i was talking to her afterwards she was just like if she's like she said the same thing she's like how much longer could this movie go on for but she was also ready to, for it to go on for as long as it needed to go on, mm-hmm. which is like a, the feeling that I had. Remember, we talked about this with Nine Days when, like, I watched the the screener for it, it had like um, the Q and A tacked on to the end oh. of it, so it looked like the movie was three and a half hours long. And I was just like, if this movie's three and a half hours long, I'm going to stay up and watch this fucking movie because it is wrecking me. And this movie didn't, this movie didn't wreck me, but I definitely got the impression that it was. I don't know. I'm going to throw it right to you after this, Andy. It's easily like the biggest animated or not even animated. It's 
So what we were talking about with Guardians of the Galaxy, we were like, oh, we're going towards Secret Wars. This is Secret Wars. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like the this is like comic book movies like Godfather they're setting up here. Where like, you know, it's Godfather Part One is into the Spider-Verse, Godfather Part Two is across the Spider-Verse, and then probably Godfather Part Three is gonna be beyond the Spider-Verse, which means not. it's gonna stink. I hope not. But like well, I felt I felt like it's Lord. It's I think Lord I Lord think it's Rings. Return of the King. It's, it's right. Lord of the Rings to me. But it's like it's I guess I'm I'm thinking of it like that way because it's so you feel so a part of the city, like and you feel so a part of this community. You know what I mean? And like it feels so when they're having these moments, like even though Miles and like Gwen are like sitting upside down on a building, that moment feels more real than like most stuff that's happening in most movies. Um and it's it's just it's weird. What? Can I say one thing that bothered me about that animation in that sequence? There's a bang. Like, part of her bangs are upside down. One bang is up the entire time, and I'm like, that doesn't. That's so Mario. I just didn't like it. You're like, fuck like, that bang. I'm out of here. I'm afraid of heights, and that scene, like, freaked me out the whole time. Well, so. because the <laughs> physics are really good, because yeah. when, she sit, when she uses the webs to sit down, it yeah. looks like she needs them, and, like, it's she's she like, got some weight to it. But, like, or the other thing that was, like, occurring to me was, and I'm going right to you. It's like, no, you're fine. In, like once upon a time in America, again, I'm getting very big here, or like John Dos Passos' like, USA novels, um, where it's like, a, it's like a look at America, like, a, like a, um, uh, an omnipresent like, look at like, a, a people and what they're doing and what they're going through and what they're struggling with. And those people just happen to be characters in a comic book movie, but it felt very deep and powerful and like, at the end of the movie, yes, it did. It had so many false endings. Like, to go to the Lord of the Rings, it had a re- Return of the King amount of false <laughs> endings. Um, I was just kind of like, I felt myself like a little forward and like a little bit up and like, what, like how are they going to... Because even though Eve, each of those endings was a false ending, they kept adding depth. The momentum was They there, kept so. like dropping, like digging into like what was possible with this, with this movie. Go. <laughs> There's not a whole heck of a lot to say after what you guys have gone through, but I just want just the visual of this movie. The what the, these directors did was phenomenal. Um, just this, all the different art styles that they mixed together. Like, I, I really like the Vulture, the Renaissance era Vulture at the beginning. That was really cool. I think Hobie's art style was really cool. I liked how every universe kind of had its own little different mm-hmm. hue almost. So like. A little bit more like pastel with like Gwen, you know, a little more dark with Miles and everything. It just like so. The problem I'm having with this movie, it just didn't feel like it finished, <laughs> right? Um, so I still haven't even like put it on my rankings of the year just because I don't know where. I just I feel like I need to see the next movie to know where how how I feel totally about this movie. I just I think it was a, a feat. Um, I just just it's left me wanting at the end. It feels like an, an experience more than a movie. And it, that's, it, it was an experience. Yeah. I will give it that. Yeah. We, um, we just went to Disney and we went to the, the, we went on the guardians of the galaxy ride, which is like fucking awesome. <laughs> um, and I'm like a roller coaster guy. And that maybe is one of the reasons I found it so awesome is because I was like terrified, but also like having a real good time. And, this movie kind of felt like that, where it's you're just kind of like sitting there, like breathless for like two and a half hours, like wondering, like what the hell are they gonna do next? And again, part of it for me, I was very into it, so 
like the Gwen stuff I've just found amazing. Like mm-hmm. the fact that like, so the pastels kind of running out of that like last scene was not the thing that hooked me. It was because that's the thing that like people have been talking about, which is just marvelous. But it's the fact that like right before that, the movie looks like a JMW Turner painting mm-hmm. with those like, like coppery rust colored, like, you know, um, like fading into each other and just almost seeming like to move in the background and like, like festering and, and just like, it's just, and then, and then, you know, right when she, before she jumps into like Miguel O'Hara's world, there's that great shot of her dad with like those dark lines, like running down the center and he's kind of askew and he's kind of like blanked out. So it almost looks like, um, like a David Cho painting. Um, it's just, it's just all this fascinating stuff, just like gripping the shit out of me. And so, I don't know. I love this movie. It was, it it was, just, it was, it just it was, I don't know where to put it. Right. And, I, and that's kind of where I was going is that it's just like stuff like the story stuff you mentioned. Like, I agree. Like, I don't 100% understand like what Miguel O'Hara was doing. Yeah. Like, the, he, so did like he go through the wormhole or whatever that opened up when Miles did the initial thing with the hydrogen collider? Or was the, it before hadron. that? Hadron collider? <laughs> Or was it before that? Or like I'm I'm not like 100 percent sold there. I had the same feeling too, Mario. Was that it seemed like everybody had two canon events, but then it also seemed yeah. like because the, they showed him with the line of canon events, but then he didn't have a captain die. So did they all have someone close to them die, an uncle die and a captain die? I didn't like so Gwen Stacy's dad dies in every single one of these things, and their uncle dies in every single one of these things. I didn't really understand that either. But part of me, because it was an experience, didn't really care didn't all that care. much. Yeah, like yeah, all I, all this like metaverse everything confuses me. But this is, I think, this is the movie that did it the best. Where it didn't, it kind of like kept it a little tighter, but it still was a little confusing. So, what did you guys think of like the references to like? The live action stuff. I, I, I left. I just. Ha- <laughs> um, I, I hope. I hope Tom Hardy saves the day and is the hero. <laughs> well, that's what everyone's fear is. I guess that like they're not doing it for the joke. They're doing it for um, the idea that if Tom Holland doesn't want to make another Spider-Man movie, like Andrew Garfield is still like Spider. Like people remember that he's Spider-Man. Uh, I like Andrew Garfield. I, uh, I, like mean, Andrew Garfield I mean, I would, I would prefer Andrew Garfield to Tom Holland. Poor yeah. Tom Holland. Tom, he can, he can stay. Too. He can be Uncharted. He can do an Uncharted movie, but he again. can't because no one likes these movies. Like Every Uncharted. movie he makes that's not Spider Man, everybody hates. I like Uncharted. I, I didn't see it. Is it good? It's fun. It's it was fun. okay. Yeah. Mark Wahlberg's in it, unfortunately. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, if Mark problem. Wahlberg wasn't in it, if it was like Stephen Lang. Remember when Mark Wahlberg was like a. Uh, a net positive for your movie. Nope. He was the best thing in I Heart Huckabees and he was really good in The Departed. And then oh, you're true. just kind of like, no, oh, Mark Wahlberg, all right. No, but this is like post-Boogie Nights. Oh, okay. And then he's just like, you he's know. He's not the best part of Perfect Storm. He actually brings Perfect Storm down. No, but he didn't know how to act in Perfect Storm. That's right. And they needed him to actually know how to act. The same thing with Happening. Um, it's funny. But yeah, that's what everyone thinks that they, they're trying to keep their options open. But like I thought, when I think I thought like all that live action stuff went along with like the Lego universe stuff. Oh, the Lego cameo at the beginning was really funny too. It was terrific. <laughs> it's a lot I was done by like the animation that's done by like a fourteen year old kid. Yeah, it's wild, it's wild. Like, this movie had to employ a lot of people. 
Uh, probably, yeah. yeah. I, and it, it's all art nerds, too, because just the way they were using the different art styles, it was like, I don't know, it was just really cool, visually, just so, it was stunning. The minute the movie was over, I literally went, I logged on, you know, because I worked for a library. So I logged on to, like, our library's website and put, like, copies of Akira on hold because, like, the Mumbatan thing... Oh, yeah, we didn't even talk just, about Spider-Man India, who was fantastic. Is, he is just the fucking best. But that whole sequence is just pure Akira. Like Neo, yeah. Neo Tokyo stuff? Yes. Like, when that, when that like, part of the building is collapsing, I was like, oh, my God, I'm, like, freaking out. I'm feeling, like, a big screen Akira vibes. I've never yeah. got to experience this, and I'm kind of experiencing it it's, right now. It's pretty cool. It was yeah. amazing. I think they're doing a re-release of Akira this year. Uh, I think I'm yeah, going to die. So. I'm going to take my fucking kids to it, and they're going to be like, I'm ruined now forever. I'm like, no, 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 that baby's huge, and he's going to ruin everything. Don't feel bad for that baby. Yeah. He's taking everything down, and I'm going to teach him how to yell Tetsuo and Canada. The best. I love this movie. I haven't even started doing any rankings yet, but again, between... This movie, and then on Thursday, and then Guardians on Monday, and then showing up on Tuesday. I was like, good, I was a very happy, yeah, I was a very week. happy guy. I was a very happy guy. <laughs> and they're all doing their own unique. Th- I mean, obviously, showing up is a completely different movie, but like this and Guardians are at least two very separate beasts. Yeah, they, they, they all did care about character development, which a lot of new movies yep. don't. I think they that's really right. Did like that about all these movies? Yeah, they seem to like really, which is interesting. Maybe that people are picking up on that. Like people like characters. Like the Mario Brothers movie? Biggest movie of the year? Character. There was Mario? Because they got to drive those carts. <laughs> the best line, the, mo- that's, the only thing I've ranked is my moments of the year. And moment number one is when, whatever the Kong's name is, you know what we need now? Carts. Carts. And then Thunderstruck comes in and they literally go through the Mario Kart screen. <laughs> Select. Carts. Carts. Oh yeah. my god! Well, unfortunately, I loved it. That was oh my god! I couldn't pers- even handle. Immediate, also immediately preceded by Fred Armisen being in the movie. I know. Well, I think he said that. You know, yeah, he know? was the one who brought them to the cart screen. Carts. Yeah. Cranky Kong, right? Cranky, yeah. cranky Kong. Thank you I very much. Always want to call him Grumpy Kong. Yeah, that's the other thing I've ranked as my worst movies of the year. I think <laughs> I've, I've got five. I mean, I, I, if I we stop if we stop the year now, I'd be like, that's fine. Well, I have a solid move, five movies I'd call the worst. You know what we didn't talk about at all? The Little Mermaid. I would. Oh right, I haven't seen it. Let's finish on that. You could you could talk about it. It was fucking terrible. <laughs> but you know what? I feel really bad. Eddie, do you ever experience this? You probably do, Andy. You could tell me if you do too, because I know Mario really well, and I'm you know I'm just getting to know you. When you are around people and you're just and they're just like, oh, did you see this movie? And you're like, I did. And they're like, did you? They make the mistake of asking you, you if you liked it first. And they're like, did you like it? And you're like, no. And they're like, I loved it. And you're just like, what? I don't know what to say now. Like, what? Am, <laughs> what am I supposed to say? Well, usually uh, Mario doesn't like movies, so that's, that's me too. <laughs> that's the thing that I get all the. And that happened to me with The Little Mermaid, where someone was just like. Oh, they're talking about the Limer. They go, "Did you, did you, did you see it?" And I was like, "Yeah." And they're like, "Did you like it?" And I was like, "No." Well, I'll I'll, I'll just podcast it and explain in detail the things I don't like about it, compared to films that <laughs> well, did those a, things better. And they'll be like, "I haven't heard about that film." And I'm like, "Well, you should watch that movie. And if you watch these other films, you realize that the movie you just saw was bad." Well, that's what like I I was explaining like the thing that like 
I've can't, I can't get over now is like the slavery aspect of it. Where like it's England and it's in a, a specific time period. Like they made that mistake and it's in the Caribbean, which means that all those black people are slaves and they're just like, nah, don't worry about it. Just they are, they dance. They're all dancing together. And I like, what can't what fucking get over it. Well, the queen was black, right? In, For sure. Yeah. But how does that work? But you're you're also trying to set Little Mermaid in reality. But they tried to set it in reality by saying it was. They, just don't oh. say it's England. Don't say I don't it anything. They, I don't think they do in the cartoon. Do they? I don't know if they do I in the cartoon because I never saw it. But like oh. they specifically say oh, the it's England. Fucking awful. That's why I have no interest in seeing it. I think I think Little Mermaid. The cartoon, the cartoon is fantastic. Is. Shut up. I, no, I, it's, I keep hearing it. I'm just like, visually, oh, it's so good. It's visually pathetic. Yeah, but the animation in that film fucking is eighty nine, right? Eighty nine. But here's so what, what? Here's what I'll say. I'll give it credit because I I have seen like portions of the movie during the Under the Sea part. Do you know the song Under the Sea? Yeah, I love it. So in the part in the song Under the Sea, there's one part where Sebastian goes, the something fish plays the something, and the something plays the something, and the something plays the something that something. And in 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 the cartoon, they show all those fish playing the instruments yeah. that he's saying they play. And in this movie. She's just sitting on turtles, and the turtles are going. Hmm, hmm, well, it feels like it'd be hard to like make real life fish play instruments. Then which, don't make the movie. I know. I feel that's what watch just to, like trying to see like. I hope Founder doesn't look like a real Founder because that'd be really. Disturbing. But he's not even in it very much. There's a part. There's a part does of the movie. He, does he look like a real Founder? He does. There's does a part he? of the movie oh, God, where. And he's all dark. He's like brownish. Yeah, that's what there's they part look of the like. movie where like <laughs> they're saying like kiss the girl where. Where Eric is 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 using the oars to paddle through this this swampy you know whatever lagoon it's a, yeah, a lagoon, lagoon. Yeah. and Sebastian and Scuttle and Flounder are all sitting on this oar and Flounder is just kind of like leaning up like you would lean something that like doesn't stand really well against Scuttle yeah like it needs him to live it's just like uh, and they're singing and I, me and my daughter are just like. They just like, make, this like, is so bad. Because yeah. Founder, just don't make Founder a Founder. Just make him something, make him a clownfish. But he's looks, barely in the movie. And yeah, then when he shows up, you're like, every time he shows up, you're like, oh yeah, Flounder's in this movie. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. And the same thing happens with Ursula. Like, Ursula's in it, and like, it's a big production. I heard she's the best. She's really good, but then she disappears. Yeah. And you're just like, oh yeah, Melissa McCarthy's Ursula. I mean, it's a Rob Marshall thing. Rob Marshall's not a But why is he so bad? He won an Oscar. Yeah, Chicago's great. <laughs> How do these things work? I like Chicago. Shut up. Mark. I like Chicago, too. I, I, I don't know if it, it definitely didn't deserve to win, but I thought it was no, a, it was I thought a it good, was good movie. movie. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, you know my opinion of Chicago. I think it's garbage. Sure. <laughs> Memoirs of a Geisha. Garbage. Nine. What? He was in fucking nine. He made, I know. He made a bad Daniel Day-Lewis Everything he's made since Chicago yeah. is pure garbage. Uh, I think I like On Stranger Tides. That's the... Uh, is that the one with um, what's his face? No, you don't. That's a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's the, the last Ian McShane, one. That's that, Ian, that no, one's Ian, trash. No, it's Ian McShane one. I never saw the Javier Bardem one. I thought it was fine because of the fact that it didn't matter. <laughs> the Woods is terrible. Mary Poppins. Reta- the Woods a, is terrible. He made one okay movie. Hey, <laughs> Lin-Manuel Miranda, why don't you come be a British chimney sweeper? In this Mary Poppins. <laughs> oh, did he do Mary Poppins too? Yeah. I don't know. Okay. He was a Dick Van Dyke I character. Didn't, I didn't see. No, I didn't. 
I, I didn't see it. So. I mean, I, I don't watch his movies, but I would not be upset if Rob Marshall never made another movie. I actually don't think he would be upset if he never made another movie. Yeah, I hope he's wealthy. and uh, Oh, he he's can, definitely wealthy. And they can just be happy. Oh, yeah. Not. I mean, he can make movies. I just don't want to hear about it. I want to... <laughs> He could, if he wants to keep making movies, I just wish there was a procedure where I can internal, like eternal sunshine myself, so I'd never hear about it. Well, this is the thing with like the Guy Ritchie directed Aladdin. There's no way Guy Ritchie went up to Disney and was like, you know what, I want to do direct Aladdin. They were just kind of like, what do we need here? Maybe a little like, like high energy. Who? What directors do we know make high energy? And there was like just one guy that's seen Snatch like five thousand times. He's like Guy Ritchie, and they're like. Oh, really interesting. There's no way Rob Marshall went to Disney was like, you know what? I want to do direct this muddy looking fucking version of The Little Mermaid. But they were just like, oh, who directs musicals really well? No, they're just like, oh, Mary Poppins. We, we, just, we just had him on contract already. That's the thing. He must just have been under contract. They're like, you're going to do this. And he was like, oh, okay. fine. I think they just needed just use John Favreau for these things if we're going to do them because he's the only one who makes no, decent Favreau. ones. John Favreau doesn't want to do all these. But he's the only one who made decent. Like, yeah. If they, John Favreau is working on Chef 2 right now. If they came up to him. But if they came up to him and were like, hey, do you want to do Little Mermaid? He probably would have been like, nope. nah. I'm good. They probably no, did. He would have no. been like, do you want to do Little Mermaid? He's like, I want $50 million. Yeah. Exactly. And they're just like, eh. Rob Marshall won. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hate the Aladdin, but I went in thinking it was going to be awful because everyone. It was okay. I didn't hate the Aladdin either. I actually think the, know, the Aladdin's the most successful out of all. You know of many uh, live action I, I like Disney? Books, you know many live action stuff. Disney remakes I've seen, guys? None. You've seen them all. Seen We're gonna one. leave here tonight, and you're gonna fire that, them all up. <laughs> the, the first day that Little Mermaid is streaming, I am watching. I'm just not gonna pay for it. Oh, it's so bad. It's I'm gonna so watch bad. it, and then I will probably right. agree with King you. Tri- King technically, Tri- you're paying like three cents for it. Um, uh, nope, it's free with my Verizon account. So you're t- you're paying a penny for horizon, it, yeah. yeah. King Triton shoots lasers out of his trident. That's all you need to know. No, he does that in the. Is um, that Bardem? He does too? that. They're not lasers. These are fucking lasers. No, it's like lightning. These are lasers. Well, lightning can't happen underwater. Oh. But, but it, it does. happens in the animated. And version. if it's if it was lightning, I'd be fine. These are lasers, like lasers. They go. It's like. Is it like Independence Day? Yes. Well, that'd be cool, though, if it hit, and like then you, it just cuts to stock footage of the independent. The best explosion. part of the Javier Bardem experience in Little Mermaid is that his body length changes drastically from scene to scene, depending on how far away the camera is from it him. It feels like it's going to bother me now that you pointed it out. There's a scene where like they show him like in a far shot, and it's in silhouette, and he looks like a snake. They didn't spend a lot of money on this, right? Oh, they spent $250 million. It's, it's gonna make it. Remember, we talked it's about this. It's only made three hundred forty-three million. And in the beginning, only? well, yeah, because it cost two hundred fifty million dollars to make, and it cost like two hundred fifty million dollars. Yeah, to promote. you gotta think into the Spider Verse was a hundred million dollars, or across Spider Verse was a hundred million, and it's made two hundred like fifty already. Yeah, yeah, it's still gonna make a shitload of money. I, I think at the end of the run, at the end I of its mean, run, Spider Verse is gonna like kick the know, shit not, out of this. I'm not movie. trying to compare the two. I'm saying Dizzy's gonna be fine. You seem like you like. Little Mermaid more than... I've never seen Little Mermaid. Mermaid. I don't know. It seems like you... Without <laughs> seeing not it. Not seen it, but he's like, you know what? I love Sight it. unseen. It's the best movie of the year. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm a contrarian just because of how everyone's so negative. <laughs> like, just, it's my natural habitat when everyone's so negative all the time. That's what we brought you here to just to like things. I just don't like, like You guys Rob make Marshall. me like things more than I do because you guys are so negative all the time. I don't like Rob Marshall and Halle Bailey looks weird to me. It's, she's not weird looking. <laughs> 
I just don't want to see her. Well, I just think on a screen. I think it's that the, I'm watching. It's the she un- can be in as many movies as possible. It's the underwater stuff. They just I don't know. I, I, I don't know like, why they. Like I don't know why they too. did it. This yeah, like everything's dark, so yeah. dark. Everything's so muddy. Everything's so stretched out and like fake looking. There's. I mean, that's what it is. I can't it's even, I can't even say the worst scene of the year. The worst fucking scene of the year is there's a scene where Sebastian is swimming after Ariel and they're talking, and then Ariel turns around to look at Sebastian and like swims backwards, and it's literally someone like just took the head of Halle Berry and just like stapled it to something, and Halle then Haley. What did I say? He said Halle Berry. It's, it could be her. Who knows? It could be anybody. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't look like a you person. You kind of said that too, so it's like everyone's no, said, saying it's, them it's all. It's Halle Berry. Okay. I definitely I, I said Halle, Halle Berry when you said. No, no. Okay, they look like they just stapled from like a magazine and animated it using like a Photoshop thing, and then just put some hands here and made them like just go like this. It is fucking terrible. You should see it just to see that scene. It is atrocious. But Disney was just like nobody cares. The fucking morons that are going to see this movie are not going to care about this. If, yeah, but that's the thing. But we saw it, and literally all of us, my whole family was just like, oh. Like, keep all at one time. You keep going back to these things. You know how long they took because to make this movie? I, I would expect it to be like visually way better. That's why no, I'm they like, took like 10 minutes to make this movie. But they've been, this has been in production for like five years. It doesn't look like it. It looks like it's just a production like, on a weekend. Uh, the weekend. I, I was going to say. I was Let's talk about the premiere of uh, The Idol. I will watch it later. Anyway. Are you pointing your mic towards me? Now I is, have one. This is the thing with me not having a mic set. Now I can use the mic to Gesture. <laughs> so no one's getting to see all my beautiful mic work here. <laughs> it's a real tragedy. They'll hear the sound, slight sound differences. <laughs> I'll be just like... Squeezing it against my head in frustration. Well, in a month and a half, I will watch The Little Mermaid and we can talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> um, so I won't criticize it. We're going to try to get together next week, folks, because it's a big episode. Tom is going to watch Bo is Afraid. And he is not going to tell Andy or Mario what he thought of it. And he's going to bring his opinion right here. I'm very excited. And we're the, 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 the Master, Master Gardener. Yeah. We'll find something else. Yeah. Something else will come Air. Out. I'm not watching because I've already watched it. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> you know what? The, you know what really? You probably watch Bo's Afraid. You don't have to rewatch it. You know what really bummed me out about the Oppenheimer trailer? There's so much Matt Damon. Why is there so much Matt Damon? And why is he playing the same character that he does in Air, but with glasses and in the 40s? It's the movie I'm the most excited for this year. Oppenheimer. Me too. Yeah. But like, there's a lot of Matt Damon. I'm just gonna be honest with you. It did not even make my top ten. Top ten what? Anticipated. I'm just interested to see. I'm. I mean, I'm. I now that guessing that he climaxes this whole. The whole climax is whatever this explosion is going to be. Well, oh, given yeah. the fact that it's not that's uh, rated R for sexuality and nudity, I bet and you he does. Fusing. I bet you he does climax. Do you or Mario's going to climax. Do you don't think it's like Jesus. it's like Holocaust nudity? No. 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 I think There's it's. No Holocaust I think it's. it's, it's I think Why it's, uh, is there any sex scenes in this movie? Because like Oppenheimer. So basically, Killing Murphy's character and Florence Pugh had like character. It was had, like, like a, a long affair um, yeah, because they were like sequestered for the whole time during the Manhattan Project. So they're like away from their family. Uh, and yeah, so. I won't, those scenes will be rough for me to watch. Well, haven't they seen <clears throat> Apollo thirteen? You don't need sex to make science work. Oh, for sure. You just need Gary Sinise. <laughs> but what about Gary and Sinise? Tom Hanks? <laughs> what about Gary Sinise just having sex with just random people? Mm, like, I don't think he would do that. Like Forrest Gump. He never had sex with Forrest Gump. He did. And he had, on 
Well, he's with the prostitute. Yeah. He's with the prostitute. Yeah. Uh, no, I think Forrest I was think, just watching, though. I think he was saying, I think he thought you were saying he had sex with Forrest Gump, mm-hmm. the person. He no. had sex with Forrest Gump around. We should do that for the fifth anniversary, is talk about Forrest Gump. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll do Schindler's List and Forrest Gump. No, we're going to talk about the best Robert Zemeckis. Oh, there's, sorry, Back Pinocchio? to the Future. Back to the Future is the only one. Yeah. Uh, then What Lies Beneath is his number two. Okay. What if he hasn't made any good movies? Hot take. Well, Robert Zemeckis, no good. Back to the Future 1 and 2 are close to perfect movies. Back to the Future 2 is not perfect. Biff is really featured prominently in 2. Throwing it out there. Lobbing him up. Wait, is, is this your hot take that Robert Zemeckis has never made a good movie? <laughs> or, or, are you that you're going to shit on Thomas Wil- Thomas Wilson? Is that no, I love uh, I love Back to the Future One and What Lies Beneath is respectable, and everything else he's made is garbage. Oh, you said What Lies Beneath? Yeah, Thomas Wilson. Good job, Mario. Um, <laughs> Forrest Gump's not. Did you say What Lies Beneath is respectable? Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's okay. We had yeah, this conversation yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. It is respectable. Okay, it's a good movie. Oh, I saw it in theaters. I don't know why. I did too. Why? Why did we do that? My mom really wanted to see it? Yeah, why did I see it? My parents rented it, so my I saw mom, it on VHS. Because my mom really wanted to see it? <laughs> <laughs> my parents um, rented it, so I saw it on VHS. And that's the only time I saw it. I yeah, I probably rewatch it. It was weird. Weird times. What was it 97? Uh, 99. 99. Okay, so I just saw it with my friends. Yeah. Probably because Harrison Ford is in it. Yeah. Or me. Michelle Pfeiffer. Or we thought it was a scary movie or something. We were just like, oh, we'll go see this. Yeah, I thought it... it I think the trailer... Yeah, we're, we're it's going visually, it's visually so interesting. Next week, folks, tune in. Tune out. Bo is afraid. Let's tune in. Tune out. I'm. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a little excited. <laughs> I hope you love the movie. Just so this is a lively conversation. The best part about the whole Bo is afraid experience is that, like, I keep waiting for the uh, critical assessment to come back. Now that like everyone's kind of like washed their hands of it. Literally, the culture has said like this movie almost doesn't exist. I keep waiting for like the articles to be written about how it's really good. It's definitely coming. Uh, but I haven't seen any of them. They're, don't, they're yeah, not Taylor there. Well, what, 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 what is streaming again and critics get to rewatch it and people get to rewatch it. Did I you miss like Bo is Afraid in theaters? Watch this, the best movie of the year. I, see, I think I think its reviews were so kind of like... Middling. Mid-positive mid that that's not going to happen. So it's mid-positive in the sense, because I read some of them, it's mid-positive in the sense that they're basically just like, he deserves credit for even doing this. Uh, I think that's fair. Yeah. And that's, but that's what they're, re- they're basically just reviewing the effort and not like the actual movie. But like, because most of the reviews are like, this movie is, makes no sense and is not what he thinks it is, but he deserves a high five for giving it a shit. He's just, he's not as smart as he thinks he is. Well, so the the more I read about it, the more this movie. I makes think me. I think Ari Aster might be the only person I consistently shit on. Like I, Lawrence Kasdan is kind of a joke because he's okay, like but like Lawrence Kasdan is like a legitimately good filmmaker who yeah. just made a bunch of like weird films. Yeah, he's just yeah. He's all over the place. Ari Aster, I legitimately. Midsummer. It's fine. Midsummer is a good time, but like, it's better. Better than Hereditary. Well, it's better yes. with yeah. without. Like there was some producer, there was some interference in that. Because like the director's cut of that movie's awful. Oh, I well, didn't so see that. it's three hours. There's the we've we've actually talked. Midsummer might be like on the list of the movies that we've talked about the most. That like is has nothing to do with anything we've done here except for like the one time we reviewed it, which I don't even think was a very long review because I think we were reviewing something else that week too. Um, 
And, and I've warmed up to it. Like even back then, I was like, "It's fine." Yeah, yeah. he's um, he thinks he's doing very dark. He thinks he's a very dark filmmaker, and he isn't. And you can, and I think the problem is that that's not like something that like the press has tried to establish that he's kind of like taken up on that. I'm like trying to pit down. You can see it in the filmmaking that he thinks that he is fucked up. And you're just like, you're not. No, he's... You're not fucked up. Well, he's, wait till he's, you watch Bo is Afraid. No, that's yeah, what well, he does the whole movie. He, yeah, well, yeah, he tries. <laughs> and you, like, watch it and go, like, my guy, you're Andy Warhol, basically. <laughs> well, the thing with, like, the day... I'm sure he jizz over here. That's, like, the oh, Babylon sure. thing, which is, now becoming a, which is now becoming a thing in this podcast. It's like, Damien Chazelle thought he was really pushing a lot of buttons. And you're just like, you know what, Damien Chazelle? I'm like 41. Babylon. I've seen a couple of boobs in movies. Like, you're not doing it for me. I've seen people throw up all over everything in movies. I've seen, like, a big a Goro missing two arms eating a rat. Fuck that shit, man. I don't, I don't care about that. Do something, like, really dark. A month, a month before your movie came out, Damien Leone had a little kid shitting in a laundry mat. Yeah. With black shit in Terrifier 2. And, like, I don't think he's fucked up. But, like, at least he's like, has his mind to go, like, you know what we could do? It'd be kind of fun to watch. Is this? <laughs> There's a clip on YouTube of Matthew Barney's, and I've talked about this too, of River of Fundament, which is like six hours long, of Maggie Gyllenhaal in a Gilded Age fucking dining room singing a song about nothing while a naked guy blows on the asshole of a naked woman st- like kneeling in front of him. And you're just like, what the fuck is going on in this movie? While there's like, right before that, there's like rivers of shit and gold cars like streaming down like a canal. Nothing that Ari Aster is going to do is going to be as interesting as any of the things we've just described here. Because everybody's already done them times a million. Especially like when like his like big selling point of murder is like face destruction. It's like, my guy, let's do yeah. something better. Yeah. Every, like, watch a Yorgos Lanthimos movie. Everyone destroys a face. Yeah, that, like, that's who cares nice. about destroying faces? That's Jeremy like Sully, most anticipated movie this year is his new one. Four things. Uh, yeah. Jeremy Solianay like is at least destroying faces in different ways in each of his three movies. I, but I, he also I, takes real like again until the drug until like the fucking drug operation becomes like revealed in Green Room. Green Room feels legitimately bad because of not because of any kind of weird body horror. Not because you told me to feel bad. Oh, did you see Blue Ruin, though, if you want to compare? Because... No. Oh, you should see Blue Ruin. I will. But it's because he's ratcheted up the tension to the point where it feels, viscerally feels bad. Nothing that he's doing in Midsommar feels bad. Yeah, Blue Ruin Ruin legitimately feels bad. It is cool. I will watch Blue Ruin. That's what we'll do next week, too. We'll review Blue Ruin. Wait, he says watch Blue Ruin. And you I never told me to watch Blue Ruin. I did. Ruin. During you didn't my tell green me to do it. room review. Did you tell me to do it? I said you should watch Blue Ruin sometime. The only reason I, I feel I like he's going to do something to me about Blue Ruin. I'm going I'm to rewatch Blue Ruin this week. Well, we had work. Been years when we were doing this so. every week, we had a lot of work to do. That's true. <laughs> now it's just kind of like, what do we want to watch? Yeah, what do we. Yeah, what do we. Blue Ruin's in? legit awesome movie. But that's the thing about Ari Aster is I think he thinks that he's making a movie on that level. And he's just not. So the movie that, like, the more I read about it, that's what I was saying, is that the more I read about it, it seems like he's made a kind of, um, like, uh, hyperbolic version of Todd Salon's, like, uh, palindromes, where it's like this travel movie where, like, really weird stuff happens through the whole thing. But Todd Salon's is, like, a legitimately subversive filmmaker. But he's, and, even he's not like that. 
fucked up though. No. He's not, but he doesn't need to be because the things that he's the 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 things Thoughts that he's his happiness, right? Yeah. Okay. Um in storytelling, which is almost on my list. Um, right. But Palindromes is the movie where the same now. Yeah, we did. At the at episode zero. Yeah, okay. Um Palindromes is the movie where like all these different actresses play the same like character, but like a lot of like weird stuff happens to her. And because like the actors keep changing like race and size and age, it feels like like really weird, like when you're watching it. And he like nobody cares what happens to Joaquin Phoenix. He's an no. ad- he's an adult Fuck. male. Well, uh, nobody gives a shit. <laughs> Outriders, like that is more subversive. And even though it's not that subversive, but more subversive than anything Astro's done. Yeah, Ari Aster. I think he thought like the end of Hereditary was really like a really big deal, and it was. Oh, it was a not. lot of people did. I I don't think it was Outwaters. But... I don't said Outriders. Outwaters. Oh, the movie we talked about yeah, a couple yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, I just like I like Midsummer. Way. I better. thought Midsummer was a great time. I had a great. I had a good time. I it wasn't scary. I don't know why people shit themselves be... over Hereditary. I think the I don't think opening part of Hereditary is pretty good. The beheading, and that's it. Kind of goes downhill. I don't know. Yeah, but even that just kind of happens in a vacuum because. Like, oh, it just was shocking to me because I didn't know it was. Ha- I did not know. But it, it also happened in the dark, and you're just kind of like, "What's happening?" Yeah, we get the bug head. Uh, so imagine like oh. if it hadn't t- like cut off her head. Like imagine if it had hit, and like she's still struggling on the ground. Like she's not instantly dead, and we just get like a little girl. With like brain matter and like a scalp partially missing, how she's like Mara, this shivering. Is already too dark, man. I don't like it. But I'm <laughs> saying <laughs> the thing I butted up against. Like the only really dark di- major director we have right now is um, S. Craig. Um, Craig Zoller. Yeah, S. Craig Zoller. <laughs> that guy's <laughs> fucking dark, <laughs> but like in a different way. Yeah. yeah, because he hates people. Yeah, he's well, like a misanthrope. Who doesn't? Um, no, that's like I butted up in Hereditary as soon as the dioramas came out. I was like. There's no way you can justify these dioramas. And he didn't. And so I don't care. Because I didn't have to care about, like, the major character, like, point of the mother in the movie. I don't have to care about this movie. This would make, like, three, four, ep- if, we, if we're going to talk about Ari Aster, four episodes in a row. And it's going to be, at least, it's all of them are going to have some shitting on him. What if I invited him on to defend no, himself? I don't, I don't even want to, No. Mario doesn't want to come face to face with him. I just don't want to fucking. I don't want to interact with him. Who that. do you he think seems, you are? He just seems boring as shit. He just bores me. He's. I've dull. never listened to an interview with him. I don't know how. Me neither. Yeah. What did your mother do to you? I don't care. Like, I just don't give a shit about this guy. Is your mother actually I, like, Patty Lupone? Every, like I said, every time I, tr- I shit on somebody, I try to go like, no, oh, you know, blah, 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 blah. I try to be nice about it, unless they're like a, a real piece of shit in the world. Hit this guy, I'm just like. Nothing I've seen from him makes him a bad person. So maybe he's a perfectly good guy. He's, I'm sure he's His a good guy. Art, I have fucking no interest in it. You keep yeah. making your movies. People have fun with them. Not not this <laughs> one. <laughs> well, maybe the next one. Well, you have you got to go watch it. Yeah, look forward to that, folks. Um, are we doing anything? Do we do this anymore? We don't have. We don't have. <laughs> no, nah, I think we're set. We don't have Twitter. We don't have Instagram. You don't check your the email. <laughs> yeah, no. Do people listen to this still? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do. It's weird. It shows up like every week. I look at it and it's like, oh, uh, 165 people listened the last seven days. It's like, who and why? My phone downloads them, but I don't listen when my voice is on them. So, I was listening to old episodes. It was actually very satisfying. I, I, I do listen to your. We episodes. used to be really good at this, Mario. Yeah, like really good. 
Whenever you used to watch a movie on one of your when you're consistent, like I'll week go back by week, and yeah. To it. yeah, yeah. We used to bring we used to bring the takes and justify them, and like we actually seemed like we moved. Remember when we used to do those episodes and we thought we were taking forever? If you listen to them back, it's like no, we were like consistently moving through these movies. It was just the beers that we got stalled on. Well, <laughs> we would talk about a beer for seven minutes. It just hasn't been something I, like I think we still do that. It just has to be something we care about, and like as we're doing new stuff. Like we gotta be fair. Like, well, so we only care about two or three films. I was a year. writing an I was writing an email to somebody and I was talking about this um, graphic novel I read by um, Kristen Radke called CQ, and it's a nonfiction kind of essay about like loneliness in America. Um, and it's really, really, it's like really, really good. And I was like, in the email, I was just kind of like, it kind of hurts, like it kind of like hurts my heart to like to read it. And that's really, and when I said that. I was I was just kind of writing extemporaneously, and when I said that, it made me think of like all the stuff that I've like loved recently, like art wise, like Nine Days, and um, you know, getting back into the road um, and things like that. And this kind of this week kind of um, proved some of that for me. So like Spider Man is definitely not going to be my number one because it doesn't hurt at all. It's just awesome. It's just deep and exciting and cool. Um, which is not to say that Guardians is going to be like on my list at all, but Guardians like asked a lot of my feet, my emotions, and that I was really, I've been, that's all I really care about now in movies. So is that I just want you to go right at my like my feelings box and just like poke the shit out of it and do whatever you have to do to kind of get me to like feel like a something on like a deep emotional level because nothing else has any real value. Um, Unless you're like Spider-Man, which is like doing it just enough and doing the technical aspect like expertly to kind of like feel huge. And that's the thing that impresses me about Spider-Man is how monumental it, it feels. It was something I hadn't seen before. And that's why yes. it's so, it's why it, it doesn't leave my memory. Just the story didn't feel complete. Mm. That's all. That's, I guess that's where I fall. I it. hear that Bo is afraid feels very complete. <laughs> <laughs> and I look forward to talking about it. Visually, it is next week. something else, though. So we'll. I'm ready. I wonder it? if I'll make my wife watch it with me. <laughs> well, give her an option to duck out. Here are the things that Mario and Andy said about. I'll make her listen to the last week or the last episode we did. Like, do you want to watch this movie? She, there's no chance. <laughs> All right. So we'll see everybody uh, next week. Our first back to back episode, I think. In, 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 I don't know where my cursor went.